Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. It's amazing when the Word of God becomes revelation to you. Uh, And it's amazing how you respond when it becomes alive to you. Because all of a sudden, you see things that you've never seen before. And so it's like, whoo-hoo! You mean God did that for me? Jesus did that for me? Oh, man, it just, it'll it'll light you right up. Amen. So, praise God, uh, we're purposing to have them in here just this next year. Uh, Marty Blackwelder, he'll be with us in October. And so many of you know who... Marty Blackwelder is, and so we're excited, and so, man, I'm telling you, we're upwards, onwards, God's moving, praise the Lord, amen, say it with me, say, I'm moving up, amen, praise God, going to the next level, amen, and so you're in the right place at the right time, and so we have started a series, we're in the middle of it, and it's simply called, There's No Place Like Home. There's no place like home. And so uh, if you remember or if you've been with us or tuned in or listened to the message uh, when we first started, we talked about that this dwelling place on earth is not our home. Obviously, heaven is our home, right? Now, heaven isn't just necessarily a place that we're going to. It is a place that we can experience here on this earth. In fact, if you remember, Jesus said this. He said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, therefore, God's desiring for us to experience heaven on earth, right? I mean, when we get to heaven, we think we should be thinking, gosh, I've experienced uh, this in, in, in some degree when I was living on the earth, right? But if you also recall, the Bible says this. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, as some have gotten in the habit of doing, even as you see the day of the Lord approaching. And so it's interesting that God brings a parallel with the local church or assembling as the people of God in the body of Christ and connects that to heaven. Well, why is that? Because the body of Christ should be the greatest example and picture of what heaven should look like, right? Where we're assembling together, where we're fellowshipping together, where we're doing life together, and where the very presence of God dwells. Amen. You realize that when we get to heaven, it's not just going to be sitting on a cloud, you know, playing the harp and just, you know, living life and thinking, well, is this all that there is? Oh, no. Man, there's work to be done. We're going to be ruling and reigning. We're going to be building the kingdom. We're going to be expanding and increasing in the knowledge of who God is. I mean, it's going to be an, an amazing time. And so, therefore, we, he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself. Now, notice what he says. Even as you see the day of the Lord approaching. So Jesus is coming soon and heaven is getting closer at hand or his return is closer at hand. So the longer that time goes, heaven gets closer. And he says, now, don't get in the habit. Well, why would he say don't get in the habit? Well, obviously, there might be something along the lines of if you're missing from the family of God, you just might miss out on the home going, right? So he's saying, don't get in the habit, stick close, because I'm coming soon. In fact, he talks about 
the virgins and the, the oil and the, the candlesticks. And again, you can go read that. Again, don't being caught unaware, right? And so he's coming soon. But once again, we understand that he says the time is at hand. Do you realize that the Bible says there are signs that are indicating his coming, right? So we should be ignorant. In fact, all the more should we be more aware and attentive in this hour. I mean, with everything that's going on in this world, in this culture, rather than allowing fear to grip our heart, we ought to be saying, ah, that's a sign. And Jesus is coming even sooner. You know, I live in Clio, and as I get closer to Clio, there are signs that say, Clio. What is that sign telling me? You're getting close. But you realize before I get to Clio, there's other areas that I pass. There's Flint. There's Mount Morris. Well, there's signs that come before Clio that says, this is what you're coming up upon. But when I get closer to my destination, I start to see the signs for my exit. And then it goes on to say, your exit is 131. Well, see, I'm beginning to pay attention to the signs, and I'm also familiar with the scenery. So I even don't even have to see the signs anymore because I'm so familiar with the scenery. I just know, hey, this is my exit. Are you getting the picture? And so we as the people of God, there is a time short at hand that Jesus is coming. So are you homesick? Amen. Are you waiting and anticipating that coming? And are we ready? Excuse me. And so today I want to talk to you about the family reunion. Because there is a reunion that God desires, but it's not just in the clouds when he comes to get us. He's desiring for there to be a family reunion here on this earth. He's desiring for the body of Christ to again to assemble in the house or the home, which is the local church. It's significant in this hour. Now, for instance, depending on your upbringing, most of us have come from good homes or decent homes. And, you know, obviously when you're a child or when you're actually just a little baby, you're completely independent, or, or not independent, but dependent upon mom and dad, right? Or your parents. You can't exist without their help. But then even as you continue to grow and mature, you still need mom and dad, right? And as you continue to grow and even become adults, you still depend on and rely on mom and dad, don't we? In fact, it's interesting because I, I have found that as we have pastored church, and many times you're pastoring adults, but you know what? One of the things that I've found about the people that we pastor, and I'm not just saying you, I'm just saying in general, you're really just pastoring kids. We're in adult bodies, but the reality is, is that inwardly, we're just all kids, right? And... If your mom and dad or your parents are still alive, you will probably, probably have found that you are still dependent or rely on mom and dad in some form or fashion, even though you're an adult. Isn't that funny? I mean, there's the time when you're like, I got it, leave me alone, shut up, don't need your advice, don't need your opinion. But then the next week something happens, uh, <laughs> can you give me a hand? <laughs> And then as you get older, you find that, you know what? 
I still need mom and dad. And so they're there to prepare. They're there to, to speak into your life. Again, as you get older, you might say, Dad, can I borrow? Dad, can you help? Mom, can you help me in this area? Uh, uh, we've got some pastor friends. Uh, their oldest son, or excuse me, their youngest son, rather. Uh, well, in fact, a few of them, rather. They got COVID. And so as they got COVID, you know, they're starting to feel the symptoms. Well, the young son, as he's laying in bed, he calls mom. Mom, I'm having a hard time breathing. Will you pray? Well, that's his pastor's because he's there at their church. But that's still mom and dad. And still yet, he reaches out to mom. Mom, will you pray? Why? Because there's something about home. Home was meant to be a safe place. The body of Christ, the house of God, was meant to be a safe place. And in this hour, God desires for this place, for the local church, to be a safe place, a refuge, a strong tower, a home that you can run to and find safety, security, and comfort and support. Because it's the family of God. That's his desire. That's how he designed it. And during this last year, how many of you have understood that there has been such a breakdown in the local church and within homes and within families, all because of things that are going on? Now, once again, not getting on the bandwagon, but you, if you don't realize it or if you're not clued in, Everything that we're going through, even though it's a natural symptom and outcome and things that are plaguing this earth, the purpose is to destroy the unity of the family and the local church. But here's one thing that the devil didn't plan on, is that in this hour, as they've shut down work, as they've said, stay home, as they've shut down schools and they've said, kids, don't go to school. They have found that psychologically and emotionally, it is affecting children and family members because of the isolation. They've said that alcoholism and drug abuse and overdoses and suicide have skyrocketed because there is no structure of interacting with people, of doing life together, of being the family, of finding support in safety in this hour oh but the church has continued in this hour to say we will not be afraid we'll use wisdom but we're not going to back down we still are the family of God the blood still is applied the name of Jesus still rules and therefore we're going to assemble as the people of God and statistically it is showing that the church is the healthiest most emotionally stable people in this hour and it's because that's how God designed it. You know, there's the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Listen, when the going gets tough, God says, come on home. When it seems like all hell's breaking loose, come home. When it seems like you need help, come home. When it seems like the enemy's raging, come home. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the local church. It's the greatest place for you to find support, help, and healing in the hour when it's needed most. Amen. Apart from the local church, your faith cannot and will not grow. And so if you sit home isolated by yourself, you'll find that what you hear is different than the word of God or that which builds your faith. And you'll find that you begin to have faith, but not in the word or the faith of God, but in something else. Why? It's because 
there's something about being home or being united or reunited with the people of God. Can somebody say amen? Now, if you don't know it, and you might be skeptical of it, and that's okay, I'll just simply say hide and watch. But God is moving in this hour, and he's doing some amazing things. Doing some amazing things here in this church. And as I've already said, by the end of this year, this church will look entirely different. Because God is moving, and God is moving on the hearts of people. And you're going to see this place filled and flooded, not only with the glory of God, but with God's people. But when God starts to move, how many of you understand that life or the home becomes messy? Now, what do I mean by that? If you've got family that come from out of town, you know, my, my, my mom and dad, you know, they, uh, they're gracious just to invite family over, you know, when the family's in town. I got a, a, a sister and a brother-in-law with six kids down in Florida, and the, the last time that they came, they came for nearly a month and stayed with mom and dad. They loved the fact that they came, but after a week, they're like, how long did you say you were staying? <laughs> Why? Because when family comes, everything gets turned upside down. And obviously, they don't live the way that you live. They don't do what you do. They have a whole different system. And so when they come into your house, it gets a little messy. But you're gracious because you love them and they're part of the family. And you just uh, get a stiff upper lip, suck it up and say, you know what? Praise God, we'll get through the mess and we'll get over it and we'll have a good time anyways. When the church begins to grow, when God begins to move, as we begin to see people fill this place, it will get a little messy. Why? Because there's people that are used to doing things their way, doing church their way, and so we're just going to have to purpose to roll with the punches, but I'm telling you, God is moving and he's filling his house. Why? Because there is no place like home, and there is a reunion that God is doing in this hour. And I say that for the point that there are churches that will dry up, that will shrivel up, because they're not... Uh, concerned about what God's doing in this hour. They're more concerned about the culture of the day. But God is moving, and those that will stay true and want to see God move, you're going to see a great move in the house of God. Amen? Now, once again, you might say, well, I don't know that I'm really buying into that. Well, then just hide and watch. If you've got to stand at a distance, that's okay. If you stand too far, I'll come and find you and say, I told you so. It's all right. <laughs> Amen. But now, as I said, you know, when it comes to family, you know, I guess I can only speak of my own because everybody's different. I had a good family, you know, it's, uh, it's got its own dysfunctions. But, you know, I had a family that was extremely supportive, a mom and a dad that I could count on, a, a mom and a dad that I can still ask to do whatever, and if it's within their ability, they will. They support us as pastors in this church. Again, they just go above and beyond board. But I realize that that's not everybody's story. There's a lot of dysfunction within families, within the body of Christ, isn't there? And it, it, it's disheartening at times because I see the brokenness in the life of people based on the lack of a family. Maybe a mom or a dad was missing, or maybe it was a difficult household to, to grow up in. And so you see broken people. 
I can't tell you how many times that I've come in contact with individuals that were missing a mom or a dad. And here they are adults. But remember I said it's like we're adult children. And it's amazing how when you begin to talk to them really about the missing parent, they revert back to the child as though one day, maybe just one day, that parent will be the parent that I've always desired them to be. And they're 50, 60 years old. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so you find that there's all kinds of brokenness in the lives of people when they come. And so we're here to love them. And then you also understand that because of where people are and maybe the brokenness of their home or the lack of a good home structure, they don't understand or value the home structure of a local church. And so they can become kind of standoffish. You know, the, over time, as we mature, those life experiences can cause us to get hardened in our heart, can't they? Where we just get tough around the edges. Maybe it just causes people to be full of pride. And maybe that pride is just a matter of, I'm not going to let you get close to me because if I let you get close to me, I might get hurt. Right? Are you following what I'm saying? And so there's all kinds of people within the body of Christ that are hurting, but the house of God is meant to be a safe place, and it is meant to be a place of healing, and it is meant to be a place where God can be experienced. And when people experience the presence and the love of God, their lives are forever changed. Amen. And so I want to begin to look at some things here in regards to just the messiness that you might begin to experience as God begins to move within the local church. You remember the story over in Luke chapter 15, and we won't take the time to read it, but you remember it's the story of the prodigal son, right? Here's this son. He was raised in the household of his father. Now, when we begin to look at the two sons that he had and just how they interacted with their father, obviously there must have been some dysfunction within this home. So there is no perfect family. In fact, for that matter, how many of you know that within God's family, Adam and Eve, there, there was dysfunction, right? So there is no family without dysfunction. It's just a part of life. But nevertheless, there was this son that says, Dad, I am ready to receive my inheritance and go live on my own. And his desire was this to go and, and live the life of independence, go party, go have fun. Dad, I don't want to live under your rules. I don't want to live under your household. I want to do my thing. And the Bible says that the father said, okay, here's your inheritance. And the Bible says, man, he went and just spent it partying, having such a fun time. And man, he had all kinds of friends. But once the money ran out and the party ended, there was no more friends. In fact, I was talking with a gentleman the other day, and he, he was saying to me, uh, he, he was saying, yeah, there, there came a point in the time where just, you know, got my life right with God, and my wife gave me an ultimatum. <laughs> and he said, I just stopped hanging out with the boys. And he said, you know what? The funny thing is, he said, when I was at work, and he said, when I would go out with the boys, he said, man, I was the life of the party. He said, I had all kinds of friends. He said, but when I quit partying, he said, they stopped coming around. He said, I had one guy that was left, and he said, we got together one night, and he said, I wasn't partying with him. 
And he said, that friend said to me, he said, you really did stop, didn't you? And he said, yeah, I did. And he said, and that was the last time that I ever saw that friend. What's my point? If you provide a good time for somebody, you might have all kinds of friends. But man, he found that when he got to the end of the road, it was just left with him. And what he ended up doing, the Bible says that he was in the pig slop. He was working for a pig farmer. He said it got so bad that he was eating the pig food. And the Bible said all of a sudden he came to his senses. And he said, if I could just go back to my father's house and be a servant, he said, maybe my dad will forgive me. And here's the point that I want to bring to you. It says when he got himself up, still full of pig slop, stinking like pig manure, coming home. The Bible says that the father was standing looking for his son. God is that father. He is constantly looking for the family reunion. He's constantly saying, you haven't gone too far. You haven't messed up. I've seen what you've been doing. I see the mess you've been in. He says, but I am constantly, day and night, waiting for your return. And that's the heart of God in this hour. You realize there's all kinds of people that are away from God that have become distracted, that have just went their way. But God is waiting and saying, I'm waiting for you to come home. And God spoke to this to me one time. He says, this is the hour of the prodigal coming home. Man, I'm telling you what, I'm looking forward to those people. And here's what oftentimes happens, especially in the local church. People are, are, are intimidated to come back because they think that either the pastor or somebody in the church is going to look at them with a, 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 a critical eye. Where have you been? What have you been doing? Oh, my. I'm telling you what. It's a party when people come back, when people come home, when the prodigal son, when the prodigal daughter says, I just want to come home. Oh, man, I'm telling you, it's a family reunion. And the Bible says that heaven rejoices. And this is the hour that we're in, not an hour to be critical looking. Well, what have you been doing? No, it's the hour for the people of God to begin to come home. And God is there to meet them face to face. And I love how that scripture says is that God, uh, th that the father restored him to the place that he had as though there was no debt. And if you recall, the Bible says that when the son saw the father, he ran and the father ran to him and he put his head in his chest. Oh, come on. What a picture of the love of God that he doesn't see the mess. He's just got his arms open wide. I love you. I love you. I want to know you. This is something that the Lord asked me. In regards to the season that we're in. Now, I shared with you early on. I said, you know, I'm, I'm human just like you. And so as a pastor, you know, you're wanting to see a different scenery. You're wanting to see more people. You're wanting to see growth and all those kind of things, just like anybody else, like I'm, I'm trusting you do as well. And so, the Lord the other day, this was a, a couple weeks ago, I shared this on Wednesday night at prayer. The Lord asked me this. He said, will you ask me for this region? The scripture says, if you ask me for the heathen, he says, I'll give them to you as an inheritance. 
And so God asked me, he says, will you ask me for this region? And I knew what he meant when he asked me. And to be honest with you, I didn't answer God because I knew that it was a big ask. He was saying, will you be the man that prays in, stands in the gap, pays the price for this region? And I'm going to be quite honest with you, I still haven't answered his question yet. But I was talking to the Lord this, this past week as we were at the camp meeting. And the Lord asked me the question in regards to the question that he asked me before. He says, what do you want? What do you want? And once again, I knew what he was asking. And I said, God, I said, I desire to see GBC be such a powerful church that impacts this region. I said, God, if you was to ask me what my heart's desire is, man, I would... My, my heart is just to see this church explode, God. And then the Lord said to me, he said, the reason that I've asked you, will you ask me for this region, is he, he said, because nobody is. And it really messed with me. I said, come on, God. I said, this is a big area. I said, are you telling me? I said, there's a lot of pastors and there's a lot of churches. And obviously, there's people that are, are, are praying for this region and community. But God said, there's nobody asking me for this region. And I said, God, I said, you're going to have to help me with this because that's an awful strong statement. He says, do you remember when it came to Noah? He says, there was not one righteous other than his family. He said, and no one got on the boat except Noah and his family. He says, so don't think it's strange that a whole region, let alone a whole world, can be without God or having a desire for God. He said, if the whole world can be against God, he says, don't you think a region can? He says, that's why I asked you to ask me for it. And then he took me over to Sodom and Gomorrah. He, he said, do you remember Abraham? Abraham did stand in the gap for him, but he says, God, if there's 50 righteous, will you save the city? And he says, because you asked me, I will. And then he said, well, if there's 30, will you? He said, because if you ask me, I will. He got down to 10. He said, well, because you asked me, I will save the city. He stopped asking at the number 10, and God destroyed the city. So obviously a city can be, or a region can be against or unrighteous. But it takes somebody to stand in the gap. It takes a people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God needs a people that will boldly proclaim. And let me tell you that it is not going to be a popular thing. It is not going to be popular to take a stand for God in this hour. It is not going to be a popular thing for a church to make some of the decisions that it will have to make in that, in, in that answer to God saying, will you ask me for the region? Because it will go against the grain. You'll have churches and religious people. There will be people that will come against you and, and speak against you because you take a stand. But God will honor the man or the woman that will stand up and say, God, We'll stand with you. The reason being is because God loves this region. He loves this community. He loves you. He loves your family. You may have given up on his family or your family, but he hasn't. Amen? I've said this to the Lord concerning this relationships. 
I said this to the Lord the other day. I said, Lord, I said, I'm just disappointed in that particular area. And I said, God, I just feel like giving up on that person. And the Lord says, well, it's not about giving up on the person. He said, because the person of the Holy Spirit will never let you down. He said, so you don't have to put your confidence in a person. He said, put your confidence in the Holy Spirit because he won't ever fail. Amen. So when it comes to those people that you're believing God for, listen, don't look at the person. Don't look at what they're going through. Don't look at how they're acting. Put your confidence in the person of the Holy Spirit because he is the comforter, the helper, the teacher. He is the advocate. He is the one that's drawing people to God. All you have to do is stand in the gap and say, God, I'll be the person to help build the family. Amen. Amen. I know we're running out of time here for just a little bit. But let me just take you over to, let me take you over to, uh, where do I want to go? Psalms, Psalms 68. If you have your Bibles, turn there, Psalm 68. Isn't it interesting when you're trying to find your place, you can't find it. Psalm 68. This really stood out to me as I was preparing. Starting in verse 1, we're going to read just a couple verses here. Psalm 68, starting in verse 1, it says, Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee from before him. He says, As smoke is driven away, so drive them away as wax melts before the fire. So let the wicked perish at the presence of God. I long for the presence of God. Amen. Verse 3. But let the righteous be glad. Oh, come on. In the midst of this time and this hour and everything that's going on, it says, let the people of God, let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. <laughs> sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who, rid, who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, it says, and rejoice before him. Now look at verse 5. Speaking of God, he says, he'll be a father to the fatherless, a defender to the widows. Is God in his holy habitation? God set the solitary, uh, uh, the solitary in the families. Uh, and he brings out those who are bound in poverty. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Oh, God, when you, uh, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the, the wilderness, uh, the earth shook. The heaven also dropped rain at the presence of God. Now, what's it talking about, the rain? Well, it's also representing the presence of the Holy Spirit says it dropped its rain in the presence of God. In Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Let me draw a parallel there. He says, I will be a father to the fatherless. In this hour, what is God wanting? He's wanting to reunite his family. He's wanting to be the father that many never knew. 
He's wanting to be a father that others were afraid to see him as. And when we receive him as the father, the Bible says that his presence comes and he rains down his goodness and his glory. Now you might say, what is that going to look like? Well, there's a lot of scripture that we won't get into, but let me just draw a parallel as I close. Last Wednesday, there was a storm that blew through this area, didn't it? And flushing got hit really hard. And somebody even said it seemed like a tornado went through. But then as you begin to watch the news, the news says it wasn't a tornado, it was a microburst. When you begin to listen to the meteorologist describe the microburst, what he says, he said, is that the clouds begin to descend and get closer to the earth. <laughs> Remember we said that heaven is getting closer to the earth. And as it began to get closer to the earth, it said that it began to stir up and generate this power and energy within the clouds and in this microburst within just an isolated section, the winds came down and blew and it impacted and literally destroyed a lot of things. Now, God is not in the destroying business. I'm saying that as heaven comes down in this hour, there's going to be isolated places of microburst of the glory of God that is going to blast out all the carnality, the sin, the unrighteousness, and the glory of God is going to rain down, and we're going to be left with the aftermath and say, glory to God. Look at what God has done. Woo, praise God. And I've been praying, God, let it happen here. Let it happen here. I love churches down the road, but if they're not going to tend for the glory of God, if they're not going to ask, if they're not going to ask, if they're not going to ask for the glory or the microburst, then God, let it happen here. And when it begins to happen, mark my words, a dead church that will not contend for the glory of God, you will find people begin to get hungry. And there will be people that come from here and come from there, come from there and come from everywhere because people are hungry for the glory of God. They're hungry for the, re the reality of who He is in this hour. <coughs> Excuse me. They're hungry for a God that will be the God that says who He is in a culture that is full of fear. And you're getting ready to see some people that are going to make some noise. It might just be you. It might be you that we see on the news. They kicked you out of Kroger's because you just started praying for people. And there was such a ruckus. There was such a commotion. There was so much things going on. You was interrupting the business of the day. And there was no more sales going on. They were lining up to ask you to pray for them. And they said, you've got to leave here because we're, we're losing money because you're here. Come on. You might laugh and think, oh, I don't believe that. No, you watch. There are going to be people that are standout people in this hour 
because Jesus is coming home. Amen. And so, you might be one of those people that say, you're a little too crazy for me, Pastor. We'll love you. We'll love you and throw a going away party for you, I guess. I don't know. We'll welcome you back when you want to come, whatever. I'm just, I'm letting you know. God's moving. And so, hopefully you'll just be one of those crazy friends that will join us. Amen. Can we all stand? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you've stirred our hearts this morning, that heaven is close at hand, that God, we will become awakened to the realities of this life and who we are in you. That God, all the distractions and the busyness of this life, and that's that even which we have committed ourselves to, that God, somehow the curtains will be drawn back and we'll see the distractions as they truly are. That it was merely the enemy pulling the strings behind the scenes and we've just fallen in line like puppets. But oh God, I thank you that there's a strong spirit of faith that is rising in this hour and that we are becoming people that are alerted and stand at attention and are falling in line as the army of the living God that will walk in the power, that will walk in the insight, that will walk in the anointing and that the reign and the glory of God will go before us in this time preparing the way. And God, we thank you that the greater days are still yet ahead. And God, I thank you for hungry hearts, for chains that are falling, healing that is taking place, fear that is bowing, sickness and disease being eradicated by the power of God. In Jesus' mighty name. And most importantly, God, we thank you that the family is becoming the family that you intended it to be. Husbands, fathers leading their home. Wives coming and supporting and Lord leading together hand in hand. Oh, and we thank you, God, this is the finest hour in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said... Amen and amen. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.